So, Rafiq. So, Alan. <laughs> How about this? How about this? I had an idea. It's not even an idea. It's 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 a. What's the opposite of an idea? An obstruction, <laughs> a distraction. <laughs> I had a I had a fleeting thought. Uh, our guest was not able to make it, and I thought, you know what, we haven't tried, or at least haven't tried in a while. Okay, is just fly blind. No specific topic. No specific time limit. Just see if we can babble until something happens. Okay. And one of two things is bound to occur. It's either going to find some footing and it'll end up being a long conversation about whatever. Or it's just going to be about 15 minutes of us going, well, this is shit. And then I'll turn it <laughs> off and erase it. So that's... that's there is no in-between. There is no in-between. There's no way it's going to result in anything other than one of those two things. Man, yeah. this is the thing about podcasting in general, right? Is because, like, I look at us and I go, I know outside of here we are two talkative motherfuckers who would just go on for hours about nothing, you know, just literally apropos of nothing. Oh, yeah. You know, and we have a hell of a time saying goodbye. Yes. Because the second one of us stands up and declares, I'm leaving now, nine times out of ten, that same person is the one who goes, oh, and by the way, <laughs> and then it's just another 30 minutes of nonsense. I I actually have a specific term that I use <laughs> for that, and I call it the comics goodbye. Yeah. Oh, that's good. The Much like the Irish goodbye, but slightly different. Well, the Irish goodbye is just you get up and leave, right? Right. Okay. But it's the idea of you are, the reason why I say it's slightly similar but different is the intention is I'm just going to get up and leave. But instead, a comic says goodbye now, and then two hours later, he actually physically leaves (laughs) the space. But his mind doesn't. He's still in his mind having that conversation all the way to the car. Right. So, and that's, you know, the number of times I've been to a show or an open mic where you're like, all right, guys, I got to go, you know, I'm leaving. And then somebody says something and you're like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, it's so great to see you. And yeah, let's continue talking about blah, blah, blah. blah. And then you're like, all right, I already missed my flight. So I (laughs) (laughs) I guess I I live here now. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's something lovable about that, but it's also (laughs) like, very weird when you're not the one intending to leave because it's like motherfucker go <laughs> like, you are, said, you, are said, you leaving or not right it's like you said goodbye yeah. at eight i, and I was 10. all i was all ready to start jerking off and now i'm sitting here not jerking off <laughs> because you're fucking ass all right so here's a, a segment we haven't done in a while <laughs> I'm reluctant to even do this based on the conversation we had right before we hit record. Okay. But uh, <laughs> this is, uh, my my toe is on the landmine. Uh, what's making you miserable this week, Rafiq? Oh, 
I mean, literally eating me up from the inside. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to. You know, I normally don't have any problems talking about health stuff. You know, like, honestly, the conversation that Alan's alluding to is, you know, I'm going through some health things right now, et cetera, et cetera. Everything will be fine. Uh, but that's actually not my biggest concern uh, recently uh, is my biggest concern right now is like, I guess you would call it reciprocity between okay. like people and family members and stuff like that. Uh, right? Okay. This will go on for a while because we've had this conversation in real life. Right. Because like, so before I came today and I say this with love and respect and, you know, yada, 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 <laughs> uh, you know, it's always, I'm not racist, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, just before I was leaving to drive over here, which is like a three hour trip, my brother called me and was like, Hey, are you still in the area? And I was like, well, I'm just about to leave for Tampa. And he was like, could you come back real quick and help me and my wife? Uh, we bought these things in a, at an estate sale, but they're too big to fit in our car. So can you bring the Prius back real quick and help us move this furniture or help specifically help me move this furniture from the estate sale back to the house. And I was like, if I don't leave before 11, you know, I'm going to be late getting there. And he, and he was like, it's just like 15 minutes down the road, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, there is a part of me that was like, yeah, you know, it's family. Of course I'm going to, you know, it's just an extra 15 minutes. It's just, you know, the small thing. So we go, we get the furniture, you know. I don't know why they're still buying furniture. It looks like every place in the house is already furnished. <laughs> but, like, fine. That's, I guess that's just a thing married couples do. They go, like, well, <laughs> just, it's time to <laughs> It's time to accumulate furniture and die together. Right, you know. Uh, so we go, we pick up the stuff, we bring it back home, and, you know, we unload it and everything's fine. And I'm driving over here, and there's just part of me that was like, I cannot for the life of me imagine being in that situation and asking any of my siblings, honestly, hey, I know you're traveling across the state. <laughs> Can you turn around real quick to do this thing for me before you travel across the state? Yeah. And them going, sure. You know? Yeah. And, like, it always bums me out because I don't know if you want to call it an illusion in my mind or, you know, whatever, but there's a part of me that goes, isn't society as a whole supposed to function on this idea of, <laughs> you know, I'd do a loving act for you. You would do a loving act for me, right? And it's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh do you want me to expand or yeah, you go ahead, man. I just, uh, <clears throat> I say this with compassion because I have a tendency to do the same thing. Uh, it's really hard to stop scorekeeping in a loving relationship. Right. And it, the problem <clears throat> is at least for me is that it's not intentional scorekeeping. It doesn't matter. It's still happening. Right. It's not like, Oh, I, I gave her a back rub, so she owes me a back rub in the future. Right. But in the at the same time in the future, you're like, hey, can I get a back rub? And she says no. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> you know, because it, because there is a thing of like, you know, I'm showing love to you because I care, you know, 
But when I ask you to show me these moments of you care, even if it's not the same thing, right? Right. You don't always get like, oh, I'm... It's not an apple for an apple. Right, you know. And like, I I guess you could call this like a third world thing too. But like a great example is with them in particular, all right? A couple months ago, maybe like half a year now, uh, one of the Tasha's said uh, something very kind, which was, uh, I love when you come over because you always are bringing food or something over with you. You know, like just because it's like it is a nice gesture of like, oh, I made cookies. Oh, I made, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then I realized afterwards you guys have never, like, you have invited me to sit down at meals with you before, but, like, you've never just shown up at my place and been like, hey, let's hang out. Here's some cookies. Or, hey, you know, like, it's always, like, me. It always feels like you going over and showing love, showing, you know, whatever. And I go, like, I know that you invite me in on these things, but it's hard to mentally process the fact that this is like the equivalent exchange, right? you know? And I think, and we've had this conversation one-on-one off microphone. Um, I think you would be well served to do things from your heart and not from obligation. Yes. And, you are absolutely correct. The problem <laughs> is that most of the time when I do these things in my heart, it is out of love and not obligation. You know, it is in my head. It is not, you know, in this particular instance, it was not let me go back because I owe this to my family. Mm-hmm. It was, let me go back because I love my family and I care about them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can see on your face, mm-hmm. and I un- I understand too, there's something in my head that's conflating the two things together well, when it shouldn't be. When you first started talking about it, you you qualified it with, of course, we're family. That to me, right. That, to me, doesn't sound like... I am happy to go help you move furniture. That to me sounds like I am happy to fulfill my obligation. Right. Which is, it's a subtle thing and it's the kind of thing that fucks with your head and it's the kind of thing that Shakespeare fucking writes about, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's a thing that, you know, what is the driving force that motivates whatever? I like, I like the imagery of that, of like, Oh, you know, in 20 years, I'm going to sit down and write a Shakespearean <laughs> level book of just my fucked up relationships with obligation to people. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, you know, not to get too, like, that's the whole, uh, I think it's Titus. The whole thing about like his devotion to Rome is literally destroying his family. Mm. His daughter got her tongue caught out and her hands cut off, but he can't betray. He's literally watching his children crumble in front of him, mm. but he can't betray that obligation he has to Rome. He, he just, that's, you know. it. You know, it can be hard because, like, there's a lot of times, and to kind of connect it to what you're talking about with something that's going on in the world right now is the whole quiet quitting thing. 
All right. Have you heard about this? I, I feel like I'm going to be exhausted and annoyed after you explain it to me. I mean, a little bit, but <laughs> like, you're always exhausted and annoyed. Uh, I, I'm so tired. Maybe this is a derailment that needs to happen. I am so... Can we just do stuff? Why is every fucking human behavior now has like four guys behind them with a clipboard? What do we call this thing and write clickbait articles about? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Those guys always existed. It's just they didn't have a platform. (laughs) It was always like four dudes on like a construction crane somewhere just being like, hey, look at that guy over there. Like Like, they thought it was a just clever inside joke amongst themselves to say quiet quitting. Right. It was just a fun thing they did. Now it's like we have to all embrace some stupid it's like, hey, look at Randy. He's quiet quitting, right? Let me guess. Is it just not showing up to work anymore? No. I mean, so the idea behind it, and this is really like an old, you can tell this is an old person who wrote this idea, yeah. is that like millennials, because that's the only age group anyone under 45, I guess, belongs to now, according to the media. Fuck that. I still own <laughs> IMX. They, by the way, they keep changing it. Like 10 years ago, I was Gen X. Now people are telling me I'm a millennial. Right. That's which, what I'm saying. Which is horseshit. I'm Gen X, baby. I was there for Nirvana. Fuck you. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. It's like any anyone under the age of 50 goes like, yeah, people after me are <laughs> yeah. millennials. Um, but it's the idea of millennials are showing up to work and just doing the bare minimum oh, you know the oh, thing like, they were paid to do <laughs> oh you mean like having a job right. isn't that what we've always fucking done well so the idea is that millennials aren't going above and beyond anymore for their employers so they're so like some dude at bloomberg news or whatever was like oh it's quiet quitting and it's like it's not quitting it's called doing your job right you had these five things you have to do every day, and you did the five. Right, and it's like, that's what you paid me <laughs> yeah. to do. That's that was what the, It's literally in a contract right? that you signed. It was like the exchange of goods and services was, I do these five things, you give me money. Yeah. You know, and it's weird for me because I have always lived that way because there's a whole big thing of like, oh, you should always go above and beyond for your employer. And I go like, no, no, I spent eight hours here yeah. doing the thing you paid me for. I'm just going to leave. And by the way, you know, I'm almost certain, even though I didn't read it, I'm almost positive that the person writing, writing it wrote it from the perspective of, like, I can't basically exploit my workers anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. I can't keep asking them to do shit that they're not really supposed to do. Right. Well, so it's that whole thing of people are like, why aren't people answering their emails at 7 o'clock anymore? And it's like, because the workday ended at 5. <laughs> right. It's like, on wh- the building. It <laughs> right? says open from 9 to 5. <laughs> right. Why should I be answering emails two hours after I've left? And it's like, well, you know, that's how we keep workflow going it's like no workflow goes from From nine nine to five when you stop giving me money right (laughs) you know well that i mean from experience the last and i actually don't complain much about the last job i had but i basically got thrust into like an unpaid manager position for like about a year yeah and it was in the company's defense 
it needed to happen. They needed someone to do that job. They kind of got fucked. But on in my part, at some point, I started like knocking on doors going, hey, remember how I completely restructured right. our entire system and now the whole department works better because of the thing I did? Maybe, uh, maybe I'm a manager now. Right. How about that? <laughs> See, and this is why you're a better man than I, because I would have gotten to that point to be like, are you paying me more? <laughs> nope. All right. Guess you're going to have to find a manager then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Because th- there's so much in, you know, America today. Part of This is part of the problem. And, you know, I guess kind of going to the making me miserable this week. Right, is the fact of like the idea behind that is functionally scorekeeping. It is, I do this thing for you, you should do this thing for me. Right. Right. But in a, the current American corporate society, there's the belief that like, well, we already do so much for you. And it's like, motherfucker, you don't do jack shit for me. Right. Right. You haven't raised my wages. <laughs> you aren't fucking like you like, you know, it's the whole like corporate pizza party attitude. Right. Of like, you guys worked so hard and made like twenty billion dollars for the company. So we went out and to Domino. Yeah. <laughs> now you're still walking away with forty K a year. We're right. we're not gonna change that part of it. You know, and you know, the I guess you could call it like a I don't want to, no, see, that's the wrong term. I was going to use the term slave mentality, but that sounds like one of those douchey <laughs> things that, like, crypto bros say about their lives, you know, and other people. But, like, <clears throat> you know, there there should be, on some level, a tit-for-tat in that kind of environment, you know? Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, that's, I already said it, but, when I was in, I was basically an unpaid manager for however long. Then suddenly they pulled me into the office and go and told me, we're going to, affi- like, we see the work you've been doing. We're going to officially make you a senior. So I was making a little more than the, the people I was working with. And then after about a year of that, I started looking around at the department going, this department moves a lot faster than it did mm-hmm. before I implemented the new system and trained everybody on how to use it and blah, blah, blah. Like maybe, just maybe, I'm a little more than just a senior making two grand more than the guy next to me. Right. You know. There's this weird divide. Yeah. I mean, we're getting way beyond it, but fuck it. Let's do it anyway. Uh, There's a weird divide in the American hierarchy system of employment of like, and maybe this is not just the American corporate system. This you're, is maybe you're probably just, just talking about capitalism. Right. But I'm talking specifically about current capitalism in America because you can see it more often now of like there are fewer and fewer people who would fall into what's considered like middle management. Right? Okay. And as such, the, since there are fewer and fewer or maybe – Maybe it's not fewer middle managers, but maybe it's the people who would be classified as being in like the C-suite 
You know what I mean? Like the executives, those salaries are getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And everyone else is like stagnated. It's not even, it's not dropping. It's just plateaued. Right. And like, then there's like this weird middle rung where it's like, you're not paid enough to be like your parents idea of a middle manager of like, Oh, I'm making the equivalent of a 75% paycheck as opposed to the people below me who are making a 50% paycheck, like increase in pay. Uh, Then the people up at the top are making like a hundred percent increase in pay. Yeah. You know, from entry level to president of the company. I've always, the older I get, the less, this is easy for me to say as a guy who doesn't run a company. So I'll, I'll acknowledge that, but you know, the company that I did work for that I've mentioned now 12 times, the, the company hit this very sudden problem and imploded and they laid off like 1800 people or some bizarre, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's always a little nugget in the back of my mind going, I wonder if the guy who ran the company is still a billionaire because I wonder if he had some liquid assets that he could have distributed amongst us to keep us employed through the pandemic instead of just fucking drop with the, the little TNT bomb that you drop right. on, you know, Looney Tunes. Like, so <clears throat> there, I mean, it, it's, you should watch the new, if you haven't, the new documentary about the, uh, the Woodstock 99 and the disaster mm. that that turned into. If you look at that situation, you had these guys on the top who were making probably a pant load of money and they were disconnected. Part of the reason why that whole thing spiraled out of control is that the guys on the top were busy hanging out with superstars and, you know, getting drunk with Metallica and not even noticing that literally across the stage, people were burning shit. Right. You know, and you think about, I wonder how many ground floor workers were dehydrated and sweaty and dealing with trying to keep the place from literally bursting into flames while you made 18 times their salary and your workday was getting drunk with Metallica in an air-conditioned unit. Right. You know, and getting free Converse. So I think that's, I mean, that is what you're describing to me sounds like the natural problem of every hierarchy eventually. Right. Right. Is that eventually the people at the top are there for so long that like the, they don't understand what it's like to be the people at the bottom who actually make shit work. And the in between, and this is something that always pisses me off is I go, if you are a well, read, well-educated individual, it should be fairly easy to rationalize making sure that the middle is as fat as possible Mm. because the middle gives a shit about the people underneath them (laughs) right? because they know if I don't keep these people happy, they're going to come and replace me. Sure. But also they, they didn't come in on a golden chariot. Right. They used to be the sweaty bartender before they worked their way up to the whatever. Right. You know. Yeah. It's almost as if a structure should have like uh, 
a found like a middle th- like like a spine. Yeah. Or like uh, some beams that kind of keep it up. Yeah. I, so I mean, a lot of I mean, if you're talking about just our society as a whole or societies in general, a big problem today across the world is that there's not a lot of social mobility anymore. You're kind of born into the class that you're born into. See, yeah. And you may, by some weird fluke, rise from either like poverty to super status or fall from super status to poverty. But (laughs) But like, you you missed all the rungs in between. Right, exactly. You know, I, uh, it's weird because I don't, I don't know how much of any of this is new. I think we always tend to, talk about this stuff in this like it's this way now but like you know there's that horrible story i'm just now realizing how little i know about the story i couldn't tell you when i couldn't tell you (laughs) where but you know early factory worker days Mm -hmm. there was that horrible tragedy where the factory burned but the employers had been locking the doors so people couldn't leave so are you talking about the shirt uh i think it was yeah 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 so it's like that horrible thing had to happen so that now the corporate guys can't get away with locking you in anymore, but they're going to do the equivalent of locking you in one way or another. Yeah. And then they're going to complain to you that you're a quiet quitter. You know? Well, so what you're talking about is the problem of sociopaths. (laughs) Like sociopaths will always go, okay, so we can't punch babies. <laughs> but what if we built a machine that just jabbed a fist out <laughs> and held babies in front of it? Right. Illegally, we are not punching babies. We just happen to pass them in front of this baby punching machine. Right. You know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if they're not going to physically lock you in, they're going to lock you in. You know, some kind. I, of I'm I'm already exhausted with what I'm about to say, but just you know, let's finally start having the conversation of why your health care is empl- tied to your employment. Yeah. Why can't the guy who works at McDonald's also get some health care? Yeah. Like I don't I don't I, you will never get me to understand that. Not anymore. There was a time just because I think you just grow up in it. You know, it's like it's it's the whole uh, you know. It's the gender conversation. Boys do this, girls do that. Well, do they? Or is it just that you were told your whole life, boys do this and girls do that, you know? Well, yeah, it's just how it works. You get a menial job and you don't have health care. And if you cut your toe, you might die. (laughs) Right. But if you, you know, work your way up to the fry cook, then maybe you'll be allowed to get a Band-Aid every now and then. And then it's like, well, how much does the fry cook make? And it's like, (laughs) oh, he makes the same as you. Yeah, but but he's allowed to have (laughs) Band-Aids. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They've got the Band-Aids locked in a box in the back, and only the fry cook has the key. And even then, you know, and this is the thing I love about how America is structured. Because in Europe, it's structured similarly, but not the same because they're... Europeans, sure. <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Uh, 
Like, it's always a little swishier over there. It is. <laughs> I, you know. You know why? And this is what I honestly feel. I feel like they get to be a little swishier because they have literally been around longer. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's that like just age of maturity of like, oh, we used to do that. Yeah. Like we, and then we kind of stopped that for all you know, <laughs> shit ton of reasons. So like, you guys are just going to figure it out on your own or whatever. Uh, but like in America, the fry cook would have the key and then he would go, oh, my goodness, my hands are bleeding, reach out for a bandage, and then he would either open up the thing and find, like, a little note that says, I owe you a bandage. <laughs> right, yeah. Or there would just be, like, some executive going, are you sure you want to reach for that bandage? You know right, 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 you right. only have a limited number of right. bandages. Here's your right. possible consequences. <laughs> well, fuck, you're, I mean... What is that called? That's called a deductible. Right. You have to pay $1,000 before your healthcare starts paying for shit. Yeah. I love the idea of a copay of like, I gave you money for healthcare and now I showed up to the doctor <laughs> and I had to give them money for healthcare. Well, we negotiated a rate behind the scenes. Oh, really? Did that rate include the fact that I had to just give them money? Because yeah. I could probably just have a conversation with them. Right. <laughs> like, if that if that's all you do, then I'm going to sit down for a year and have the conversation with them, I guess, you know. Dude, uh, so, you know, two months ago, whatever it was, I had sinus surgery. Now, God, I probably shouldn't say this. Fuck it. I'm going to say it. Um, so I'm you going to do while you're under. Well, <laughs> is it molestation when you have consent to it? <laughs> Just a little box. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so I had been going to an allergist for about three years, give mm -hmm. or take get as far as I can with the allergist before the allergist says, you need to go to an ENT. You probably need surgery. Mm -hmm. So now I've got three years of records with this person the, you know, we tried step one, it kind of worked, but I'm not better yet. Step two, it kind of worked more, but I'm not better yet. You know? So I got three years of records with this person. Go to the ENT. He looks at my scans. I, I, I barely remember saying hello to the guy. He mm -hmm. walks in and goes, here's what's going on with you. And he just starts explaining why my sinuses are all fucked up. And he said, so here's what we need to fix. We need to fix this thing. It was four things. So now I've got a professional surgeon saying, let's fix these four things. Mm -hmm. I've got three years of records from an allergist saying he's not getting healthy after all these treatments. And the insurance company would not approve all four things that they wanted to do. Right. So I will not say this on mic because I don't want to get into any trouble, but more was done than what was agreed upon because my surgeon is a good guy. Right. <laughs> and, and only because my surgeon is a good guy. Right. And that's that part there, you know, again, when you're going back to talking about reciprocity, you know, is one of those things of like, you are more inclined to do a good turn by him because he yeah. was willing to do a good turn for you. Right. And there is a certain portion of me in general right. that goes, isn't that how society is supposed to function? And I think that's, and I'm with you. I, I, I You and I are speaking the same language. 
However, at some point you have to go, all the relationship books say don't do that. Right. And they all have degrees that I don't have. So maybe they're onto something. Yeah. So it's like when you're talking about a doctor-patient relationship, I'm not this guy's friend. Mm-hmm. I'm not, he's not serving me out of love and I'm not going to him out of love. There is a direct transactional relationship there. The problem is for guys like us, we tend to transactionalize other stuff that shouldn't be. You, right. sh- you should. And, and I think we do it in both directions. You know, I started to feel really bad. My family, I kind of, had to have them take care of me for a day after I got my surgery. Mm -hmm. And then a month later I had to go to another procedure and my mom had to drive me and drop me off. So I made damn certain the next time I saw her to bring her flowers and go, Hey, I know you had to put up with me. And also like the day of the surgery, I know I wasn't kind to her. Now she was annoying as fuck, but that didn't give me an excuse to be unkind. Unkind. So it was like, Hey, Thanks for what you did for me, and sorry I was a prick. <laughs> you know, right? You know, and I absolutely relate to that because there there are plenty of times where it's like you do you have a moment where somebody you know in your family will show you an act of kindness, and you go, "I have to repay this," right? You know, and to your credit. Or, or to your point, I should say, it shouldn't be like that because it, you know, this is something that I am working on as a person is I am working on getting better of just accepting a compliment or accepting something positive about feeling the need right. of like, I have to repay, right? you know, this positivity. Because sometimes you just don't have that in the tank. You know, and there's nothing wrong with just accepting a positive thing, appreciating it, and going, thank you, and moving on <laughs> right, with right. your day, you know. To be continued in a future episode of Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of So How About This. If you liked that episode, please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, or leave a review. If you really like this, tell a friend. If you hated us, tell somebody you also hate. Tell five people that you hate about us. Find your arch enemy and convince them to listen to our podcast because you hate us so much and you want to punish them for it. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at So How About This One. That's the words So How About This, followed by the number one. If you have any questions you want answered on the show, just hit us up on Twitter and don't forget to stay tuned for new episodes.